0: Welcome to the very first episode of the Why Between the Lines podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Sia, and in this podcast, we want to explore the why behind what people do. Whether it's a business, a job, or a passion project, we want to hear the story behind the path and the heart behind the venture. Joining us as our very first guest today is Felicity DeLang. Felicity is the founder of Tilt Shift, and she calls herself a culture change guide. In our chat, she tells us what exactly it is that she does and how she helps businesses with her skills. But also, we talk about how she handles difficult conversations with teams, why she initially expected hostility from those she worked with, and what keeps her excited about her job every day. So, here's Felicity. Hi Felicity, it's so great to have you here with me today. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Now, you've described yourself as a culture change guide. Um, can you just explain a little bit more about what that is and also tell me more about what you do? Yeah, sure. I
1: think um, the term uh, culture change guide is, is, came from, I guess, a bit of a, oh, a, bit of a challenge in, in kind of trying to articulate what it is that um, I wanted to be known for doing. And I think culture is such an unknown variable in a lot of organisations. People kind of enter and go, I want a great culture. I want to work in a great culture. I want to create a great culture for my team, but without a really clear understanding of what that is. Mm. It's and almost s-
0: like a buzzword now. Yeah,
1: it really is. And so I think with the, the idea of a guide <laughs> is um, providing organisations with the tools to help them navigate through their culture. So very much around... Um, you know, coming in and observing the landscape, observing the environment and that kind of idea of a culture change guide brings up a lot of visuals of what that might look like. And so at certain stages, I might come in um, as a guide would do and show the direction. And <laughs> this is kind of or or kind of um, call on tools or navigation or kind of um, um, ways of seeing things um, that we can draw on. And then at other times let people walk down the path themselves and figure things out. So I think there's um, something within culture that is around curiosity and people kind of looking at uh, what happens, how people interact, um, what are some of the systems and structures that show up um, and the interpersonal stuff that happens within, within work um, that people can cast a little bit more of a, a lens on to say, what's going on here? Um, And so, yeah, I I kind of help people to um, understand their culture um, better, better see it, better define it um, and um, kind of work to understand different perspectives from the people within that team. Um, and um, designing or um, co-creating cultural conditions for people to do really great work.
0: Mm. So that was what I was wondering. Do you often find yourself having to um, just help organisations unearth the culture that's already there Mm -hmm. or do you have to come in and speak to the leadership and find out what culture they want to have and then help them put things in place to build that culture.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's been, um, uh, you know, the people that I've worked with, um, it's been different requests that have led to that. Some people, like, I've got no idea what's going on. Um, And some of those will will kind of involve, you know, hour-long interviews with people within the team, to kind of unearth those perspectives and to give a sense of, like, this, these are the, some of the themes that are showing up. This is kind of what some of the things to focus on, to provide really, like, practical ways of saying this is, this is common experience amongst the team. These are some of the things that we can do um, in, in response. Um, I am engaged by leadership to, to kind of come in and to, um, to respond to a challenge or an opportunity But I'm always very clear on making sure that the engagement is with the entire team. I think Mm -hmm. the idea of being able to describe culture is making sure that all those diverse perspectives are captured. So I do kind of go in and typically provide that kind of outsider lens to come in and to go, oh, this is interesting. This is showing up. Whether that's through hour-long interviews with each team members um, one-on-one and kind of... um, Uh, understanding the themes and presenting that back in really practical ways to address some of those themes or it could be uh, surveys where the information is kind of brought about in that way or workshops so it is a way of being able to provide language around the Mm. culture Um, but also more importantly um, once that kind of understanding is gained from those insights, um, and a deeper cultural understanding, really practical ways in which those things can be addressed. That's kind of the idea of it.
0: Yeah. So culture is as far as I understand it, it's really dependent on the people in the organization. So, but people come and people go. And do you Mm -hmm. think, do you find that culture in organizations is something that keeps changing?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think um, a lot of the time it's about the critical mass. You know, like uh, the the when you when you come into a place and you get a sense of what it is, um, you're either attracted to that place because it holds similar uh, like things of similar importance that you do. So you're like, okay, this is a team that cares about quality, or this is a team that cares about collaborating, or whatever those things might be. Um and then you kind of tend to adopt some of the um, the the kind of ways of working within within the team. So I think there's kind of a core like <laughs> essence, I guess. Yeah. And then there's fluctuations. I think it's really dangerous, particularly in creative environments to really fix a culture. Like this is what it is and yeah. we don't allow any variation. And I think that's like, you know, the whole drink in the Kool-Aid and, and kind of going, we are this. Um, it really doesn't allow um, people to add variety and flavour. Um, and I, so I think it's a really healthy thing for change to happen. Uh, but I think it's really important that organisations understand the things that they're not willing to flex on, you know, the things that they don't want to compromise. And so, um, you know, that when people go, you, you kind of, you might lose knowledge, you might lose a particular cultural flavour within within the team in terms of, you know, they've you've got some people who are real, are, are real kind of um, bearers of that culture, you know, they kind of really role model it and are really kind of invested um, and I always think like even even when I was working within teams and you see someone go and you're like, oh, God, that's going to really hurt, someone else comes along and they bring something else to it. And I think that's a really good thing. And um, the idea of trying to hold too tightly on something and for things to be like this forever um, just doesn't allow much adaptability. And I think that that's what cultures are really, particularly in this kind of complex world that we live in, creating kind of um, resilient and adaptable cultures is really important. And so um, as long as there's that, you know, through line of this is what we're known for, and these are the things that we need to make sure um, we do when we hire people and the things that we're looking for, and we bring new people into the team, I think that variation is a really good thing.
0: Yeah. So I can clearly see your passion in what (laughs) you're talking about. And I'm just curious, how how did you come to like what you do? Like, how did you come into this HR space or this yeah. culture space?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting you kind of use both the terms HR and culture there. I think I've come from uh, more of a background of working in HR teams embedded in organisations. And I was always trying to kind of resist that really policy driven HR approach and creating a more human an engaged way of interacting with people, you know, like instead, HR
0: doesn't really have that great of a reputation. <laughs> no,
1: no, When I'm describing what I'm doing, and I'm trying to avoid the term HR, not because it's uh, the, the people that work within the space they do amazing things. It's just the connotation that people have with what HR means and being brought in as either really kind of, um, you know, I don't know, agents of the organization, you know, like and and being the, the rule bearers and 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 coming in when things go wrong. And I think what I've always wanted to do is kind of provide more proactive support in that space and just have real conversations with people. Like I think it is, um, you know, working with other people can be really challenging and it brings up lots of lots of big emotions that are not always work related. And um, it's just navigating those things. And so when I was working within HR teams, um, my approach was I, I didn't want to kind of go down that HRE path or, or that kind of um, policy-driven approach. And so I was always kind of looking for environments in which I could kind of, um, you know, have my particular flavour of what I felt it was. And, but I, and I was always really interested in different environments. I was working within um, different settings. So I worked across a lot of industries and sectors and I just was really curious about like, oh, what do they, what do people do here and how do things work and how is this the same or different to what I've experienced before, and so then when I um, uh, when I had kind of in the back of my head, when I know enough, I'm going to start a business, and it kind of became that thing of um, I I will at one point reach reach a a certain feeling of <laughs> knowing enough <laughs> um, to be able to see if that kind of would translate um, to to kind of starting my own business, um, and a few maybe four or five years ago, I started studying anthropology. And so um, that is, uh, you know, with a particular interest in cultural anthropology. And that is very much around kind of having uh, another way outside of a corporate setting to um, investigate or understand culture. And so that was the genesis, I guess, and that kind of movement from working embedded within teams, having an understanding of what my particular flavour was, and then kind of creating Tilt Shift.
0: Yeah. And I'm so, I, I like the name Tilt Shift. And I, you've mentioned before that there was a reason you named it <laughs> Tilt Shift. I, would you Would you like to share?
1: This is coming from the copywriting agency, isn't it? Words are important. And I'm yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the The idea, Tilt Shift is actually a camera term. It's, it's a term that's used um, where it kind of provides a really hyper-focused view on, you, you kind of tilt a lens and it focuses intently on one thing. It kind of, it's that that's kind of where it comes from Um, and my my take on that is like tilting perspectives like providing a new lens a new way of looking at your organizational landscape and then making shifts I think that there is like whether that's shifting um uh, providing practical shifts in in ways of working um in in coaching conversations and having takeaways that people can implement Um, I think uh, really powerful change comes from shifting mindsets. Um, So being able to kind of see things um, through a new lens to shift your own mindset and approach things in a different way. So there is that bit of like a tilting, seeing things slightly differently and, and making shifts off the back of that. That's kind of what it's about.
0: I love that. So you mentioned that you thought to yourself when you feel like you know enough, uh, when you have that <laughs> right feeling, you'll start um, your own, and you've obviously started tilt shift. So what was that? What was that moment that had you thinking, this is, this is it, this is the
1: the time. God, it (laughs) it never really like became that moment. It became more (laughs) of a like series of, of moments, which was, um, it's kind of like not, not necessarily when you make a decision like that, it's the, the cost of not making the decision, you know, the cost of, oh, um, I always want to do that thing and then keep talking about doing that thing and then never doing the thing, you know? And so it was, it was a number of years coming, I think, uh, Covid put a real uh, halt on on those plans, um, and then I think it was surrounding myself with other business owners as well, um, uh, people who were doing doing it themselves, and that was a bit more of a, uh, uh, you know, a way of just normalizing business ownership because I think part of the challenge is just like the overwhelming "what do I do," <laughs> mm. um, because there is the how do I describe what it is I'm doing? How do I go out there and win work? How do I kind of you know um, understand how to how to put a proposal together and quote? And there's just lots and lots of things yeah. in and starting. You have to do
0: everything as well. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And that and in those early days, I think just having people around who had been through that journey before and could provide both practical advice um, and emotional support, um, and that that kind of for me was a, a really uh, a real catalyst um, for me going, okay, it's possible. Like I can see other people who are, who have done it and are doing it. Um, and that for me um, just provided, I guess, a bit more of the the tools and um, <laughs> support to do it.
0: Yeah. So now you've also mentioned just now that working with people can be challenging <laughs> yeah. as we all know and experienced, but throughout these many years of you being in this space, not just with Tilt Shift, but even from before, have you ever had any particularly difficult moments or, you know, <laughs> situations that made you feel like, oh, this is it, uh, I've had enough and I want to give up? Ever had moments like that?
1: Oh, in in kind of needing to intervene in in, in like-
0: No, like just you wanting to throw the towel and just not do it anymore.
1: Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, I think that's, um, I was like, God, I have to think of a specific example because when you do this work- often it kind of normalises the, the conversations. Like I'm kind of used to having difficult conversations with people. Oh. So I think it's just like anything, the more practice that you have, at something that the kind of, I wouldn't say it's easy, um, but it just be becomes less, um, less taxing. <laughs> oh. And I think, I mean, like for anyone, when the conversations were happening in and around COVID, I was having lots and lots of conversations and I felt that um, – Uh, I felt that that was a particular time that, I mean, I guess you just didn't really have options otherwise than to kind of um, exist the way that we were existing, Um, but certainly the types of insight that you had into people's worlds and the emotional support that was required um, stepped up more than a notch, stepped up, Mm. stepped up a lot. And I felt that the, the, the important thing when you kind of do work like this as well is making sure you understand how to re-energize. And I felt like in those times you didn't have the same kind of tools that were available to you to make sure that you were okay yourself, um, to be able to kind of keep having those conversations. So yeah, it just, I mean, got through it. It wasn't like I was, you know, about to throw the towel in, but it really, it really was a very kind of Emotionally exhausting
0: time, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. So, what would you say your why is in what you do? What is the thing that keeps you going and keeps you motivated?
1: Yeah, I, I, um, it, it's an interesting one because I think you know people talk about you know starting your own business. It's like you know you need to kind of understand what it is that you do. What's your you know unique proposition, etc. Um, and I feel that I, I have, I, you know, I have a strong curiosity in people. Um, And, and I think kind of, you know, the cumulative effect of that is culture, like kind of going going into different spaces. And I just like learning more about different, different teams and and different ways that people kind of interact and show up in those environments. And so I think my curiosity keeps me going um, and also just a really strong belief in that um, people wanting to provide good environments for people to work in. Like, and I, I think being knowing, I guess, um, and going back to that idea of like my value proposition or, um, or, or such terms is that I think that I am able to do that. Like, I can help people um, and people who particularly I'm lucky to work with clients that want to provide a great environment, they just kind of either lack the capability or confidence to do that all the time. And so knowing that I can be helpful, I think, and in providing good environments for people to work in and for, you know, resolving um, challenges at work is what keeps me going.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I think you are doing great work. Thank you. So what is something that you've learned through what you do that has surprised you? Oh, um,
1: do you know what? I actually think the... um, the reception that I get from teams is surprising. I think when I was working in um, within organisations, if they'd bring someone external in, it would be seen with suspicion, you know, like who is this person, what is their intention? Whereas I feel kind of coming in and working with teams now, there's a gratitude from within the team that uh, leaders of that business have decided to invest in, in kind of having someone like me come in and help work with the team. Mm. And that's been surprising to me. I kind of thought that there would be more um, resistance or, or kind hostility. of... Hostility. Yeah, hostility, <laughs> exactly. Going, what are you doing here? But people have been really grateful. And that that's kind of a, been a really surprising thing. And it's also been really lovely um, because particularly when you work within teams, people kind of take it for granted that there'll be kind of a people and culture team. Um, and when I'm kind of coming in, working with scale up businesses um people that don't have kind of an internal um people and culture function um there's there's like a thank you so much and it's like that's so nice because um you know as opposed to it being taken for granted it's kind of seen as as a value add to the business and so that's been really surprising for me
0: yeah but have you ever had have you ever experienced something not something that's not gratefulness before
1: oh I think like um Uh, There's certainly different levels in which people open up um, and and different expectations that people might have depending on what they're going through as to what my role in that might be. Um, And I think it's really important that I I don't kind of come in in with the idea or the intent of trying to like rescue everything. You know, there's ways in which things need to kind of play out within organisations that's not for me to intervene. It's kind of to provide people with the tools to be able to work things out themselves and to, Mm -hmm. to kind of have conversations. And, you know, sometimes there might be the idea that I would be coming in and, um, siding with someone (laughs) and, and kind of saying it, you're right. And the other person's wrong. (laughs) And that's not the role that I play. Mm -hmm. Um, the role that I play is very much around, um, uh, building more of an understanding of what's going on. Um, certainly there's sometimes, um, responses required from the organization and and I can kind of assist with that as well but sometimes it's just about providing people tools to have um you know again seeing things from a different perspective like understand what's going on with other people um uh, whether that's kind of internally or whether that's with you know clients that they're working with or project teams um, and I and I think a really missing link in a lot of organizations a missing ingredient is compassion and and I feel that you can kind of easily get wrapped up in um, victim mode, you know, woe is me, um, yeah. and um, and I think just having more of a more understanding leads to more compassion, and um, doesn't always work out, you know, really in 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 a in a very linear way. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes, you know, to your question, um, misunderstanding around what my role is um, can sometimes lead to differences in in pe- how people respond
0: yeah well I remember when I first met you I think I told you this as well that I would have described you as a work therapist because <laughs> it felt like I could no. just see you and then just tell you everything that's been going on and I get um, very valuable advice so if you were not doing what you're doing now what oh. do you think your alternative career would be?
1: Oh, that's that's a really good question. It's like not not things that you ponder very often, is it? You kind of go down <laughs> really? this.
0: Path I, I ponder all the time. Oh, I do.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you're doing this now of having like podcasting <laughs> as kind of something else that you've got. You know, people people bring other interests to life. Um, oh, I I actually it's not anything necessarily tangible. Um, certainly, things more in the creative space. Um, I think I think there's real. I mean, just just having some outlet of creative expression, I think, is wonderful. Um, and and actually producing things, and um, you know, kind of getting absorbed in in the creative process, um, I think, is something that I'm really interested in. It's not something necessarily that I have to like make you know make a career of. <laughs> so I think that part of me starting my own business was around. Um, not only the work that I'm doing but the, the life that that provides and that means that I kind of have other time to do things so I can take up that creative outlet and 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 take on you know hobbies or different different things without needing to kind of make money from that yeah. <laughs> and so having more time in my week to do things like that also kind of really wanting to you know give back to community and to kind of use my skills um in ways um, and with organizations that I think are doing great work. So that's something that I'm about to kind of launch into shortly. Um, Just kind of, yeah, just, just as a way of saying like, you know, I have the ability or have the time to, to be able to do things like that. So I think it's not necessarily around what else would I be doing as a career alternative, but I think there's just like a bit of a, you know, collection of different ideas that I'd love to be able to design my life in that way.
0: Yeah, interesting. Well, I half expected you to say maybe psychologist or because of the the meaning behind tilt shift, maybe photography, like (laughs) something along those lines. (laughs) But that's great. Um, It's great to know that you really, really love what you're doing now already. Yeah. Uh, So what would you say is your proudest achievement?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, um, I really, like... I really it sounds like such a, an obvious thing in this in this conversation but I am really proud of starting my own business like I just I just uh had it there for such a long time as an idea and the, the kind of courage to actually start it was a really big thing for me and so yeah and it, it is a um it is, it, it comes with a great deal of kind of uncertainty and um, lots that's required to kind of continue through, particularly in those first 12 months. Um, so I think that's my proudest
0: moment so far. Yeah, and, and that's, that's great. Just one more question, Felicity. If you could go back in time and meet a younger you, what would you tell the younger Felicity who's just starting out in her career? What's the advice that you would give her?
1: Oh, at the very start, Um. I just think there's um I kind of have this conversation often with people just around the 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 kind of lack of guidance around career direction and like you know being more uh you know, following kind of more traditional pathways um, you know, of uni and grad programs and all the rest of it. And I kind of resisted that. I mean I went to uni, but I I I I kind of resisted it without kind of knowing what the alternatives were. And I think that the idea of just having a sense of like curiosity and reflection, um, to understand myself, um, and to kind of trust myself, I think like I learned a lot through traveling a lot in my kind of early twenties. And I think that outside of expected pathways is, is really just to kind of, um, be curious enough to understand yourself and the and the, the kind of environments that you thrive in, and have more of more insight into the things that you do well and the things that you really enjoy, um, rather than just kind of like getting caught up in the caught up in the the kind of the, the trance, I guess, of some modern modern kind of living and modern careers which kind of look a certain way. So yeah, trying to resist that, I guess. <laughs>
0: That was Felicity DeLang sharing her story as a culture change guide and the founder of Tilt Shift. If you'd like to learn more about her business and what she does, you can check out her LinkedIn profile. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Our next episode will be up next week, so do consider subscribing to our podcast so you don't miss it. And that's it for now. Thank you so much for listening to the Why Between the Lines.